0: Let's read in Luke chapter number 10. Uh, we want to, of course, welcome everybody at Fairview tonight. Thank you for joining us and being with us. And uh, if, if, if I've not met you yet, or if you've not met me, I'm uh, Travis Sharp, and I get to head up Unsheltered International. And uh, our family's been here at Temple since 2009, and we love our church. Amen? Amen. We love what God is doing here. Luke chapter 10, verse, uh, let's see, what I say? Verse 38, the Bible says, Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet, or at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? And by the way, things are are, are deteriorating. When we start blaming God. Dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. In other words, not just this thing, many things things in your life. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, thank you for your goodness. Now, thank you for each family and each individual that has joined us tonight. Lord, this sure would be a lonely place without people to preach to. And thank you for faithful, faithfulness, thank you for the family of God, and thank you most of all for your word. And I pray that you would teach me something tonight, help us, teach us all, may we take heed under your word and learn by it, learn from it, learn through it, and I pray you'd accomplish your will. I pray you cleanse my heart, mind, and soul, and use us for the glory of God. Uh, I pray you bless our preacher. Uh, He's probably fixing to wind up his message here in a few minutes, and I pray you'd help him. Give him a good response, a good invitation. Touch the hearts and minds of folks where he's at. We'll thank you for that. Oh, God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. All right, you can be seated. Thank you. Hey, I I need to testify for a minute before we jump into this. Uh, Bring it on, amen. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, April and I brought home one of the uh, Change for Churches boxes. And uh, and I've got to confess this, and this will sound dumb coming from a missionary, but I brought it home with the full intention of just not even really asking God to fill it up. That's why I'm saying it sounds dumb coming from me of all people. But pretty much just, I had just had full intentions of putting, a, you know, some money in every week. And when it was full or whatever, just bringing it back, and there you go. Uh, but I, finally, after a couple of days, I kept looking at that box sitting on my uh, uh, kitchen table. And uh, I sat it there for no particular reason, but I just sat on the kitchen table. And I, every day, I'd look at it several times a day, you know. And and so I looked at it on about day two or three, and and I went ahead and I said, you know what, I'm gonna just pray over this thing like the preacher keeps telling us to do. I said, Lord, God, as my witness, I said, Lord, I pray you'd fill that thing up for for us in an unusual way, just fill it up. And uh, uh, the, the very next Thursday, which was this past Thursday, I went and preached at a Bible college. And I don't know if you've ever been to Bible college, but I have, and Pastor Malcolm has, and, I, and we could both testify that ain't nobody in Bible college got no money. Say amen right there. And we could also testify there just typically ain't no use in trying to take up no offering at no Bible college chapel. Because number one, they just don't; it's not normal, and number two, they don't have money. Well, uh, they took up an offering after I preached in the Bible College Chapel in South Carolina, and uh, and gave me enough to fill up the box, and then some on top of that. And uh, it, you know, God is good. And the cool thing is, I wasn't even thinking about the box. They gave me this offering, and some people put some money in my hands, and, and, and it was like on the way out the door, in, in my truck, on the way back to the little place I was staying, it dawned on me, because I was thinking, well, how odd is that to take up a love offering at a Bible college chapel service? And then it was like God saying, <clears throat> not very odd if you ask me to make, make your channel a blessing, and I said, ha, 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 I know what I'm doing with this money. So anyway, uh, uh, so now I'm going to do the same thing the preacher's been doing. I'm going to challenge you to get a box. Amen. If you hadn't done that yet, get one and, uh, and, and watch God work. Amen. And we can plant churches around the world. In this story tonight, I'm sure that you're familiar with this story. If you've been in church Uh, for longer than than 10 minutes, you've heard about Mary and Martha. And um, you know that Martha was a server. She was one that served. And Mary was one who is known for her worship or her adoration of the Lord Jesus. And so what I want to say at the outset of this... Is it'll kind of seem like a message like this is is, is kind of like a slight to the Marthas. But I, I want you to keep a couple things in mind from the get-go. Uh number one, if we did not have Marthas among us, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Because there wouldn't be anybody to cook at the, the church picnic. Amen? I mean, we we'd all those preachers would go hungry and things like that. Uh, another thing I want you to, to keep in mind is that Jesus loved Martha. She, he loved Mary and he loved their brother Lazarus. This was a family that was extremely dear to the Lord Jesus. Their home was in Bethany, and Jesus, we believe, went there uh, often. On several occasions at least. And Martha was a, was a, a, a quote-unquote a good person. We would call her like a church person. And so uh, as we go through this, I want you to have that in your mind from the get-go. Martha wasn't out slinging dope on the corner downtown. Okay, uh, This is not the, the woman at the well. This is not someone with, some, with a checkered past even, as far as we know. It's a good person. Friends with the Lord Jesus. But as the title suggests, and as the scripture says, she came to a place in her life where Jesus kind of confronted her, and I feel like kind of shaking his head a little bit. Martha, Martha. I need to teach you something, is, is how I see it in my mind. And I want you to know that every Christian can understand the limitations of our own strength by noting the observations that I'm going to give you from, from this, these passages here. How many of you know we, we have limitations? Uh, obviously, we have everybody has physical limitations, and one person uh, can 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 lift more weight than another person. And one person can run a faster mile than another person. Uh, one person's taller than the next person, and, and so there's physical limitations. There's uh, all type of there's intellectual limitations. I mean, uh, my uh, degrees and educations don't go a quarter of the way as some. People's education goes and so on and so forth. But did you know that a lot of times we limit ourselves when it comes to our spiritual life? And we limit ourselves, and I think we'll find this out primarily as Christians, by trying to do the Christian life in our own Strength and under our own power or our own will, and Mary or Martha rather found out that number one, Jesus had some issues with that, and it and it brought to light her issues or the issues in her life that were caused because Of trying to do it in her own strength. So I'm going to give you uh, three observations. Number one, observation number one, is what I call a common problem. A common problem. That's in verse number 40. And number one, underneath here, I want you to see that Martha was distracted. She was distracted. The problem with, at the outset as we see it is that the Bible just plainly says to us that Martha was the owner of this home. She was the one doing the entertaining in this home. But the Bible also makes a distinct contrast that while Martha was busy doing all of the stuff, her sister had presence of mind, as we'll find out in a minute, to sit down at Jesus' feet. The problem that is pointed out is that the serving that Martha was... was uh, uh, engaged in was not just a simple matter of serving. It had become a distraction in her life so much so that it was as if she didn't really realize the magnitude of the guest that was in her own home. You know, According to the National Highway, let me get this right, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, at least 3,142 people were killed in 2020 as a result of distracted driving. Um, there's a lot of websites you can go to that, that are especially target. Uh, teenagers and different things, and it has all these statistics. But one statistic that I found disturbing, to be honest with you, is at 55 miles per hour, if you read or send one text message, the distraction equivalent is as if you went the entire distance of a football field closing your eyes. And that's how distracted that one text message can be answering it or or receiving it in a car at 55 miles per hour. The main types of distracted driving are visual, taking your eyes off the road, manual, taking your hands off the wheel, or cognitive, which is uh, taking your mind off of the task at hand which, of course, would be driving. And as I thought about Martha being a little bit distracted today, and as I thought about those statistics and and, and those 3,142 deaths in a single year in our country alone, I could not help but think about my life and my relationship with God and, and how so many times along this Christian journey I have been distracted. In other words, I come to a place and find myself at a place where the main thing is no longer the main thing in my daily routine. Have you ever been there? The church sadly has become extremely distracted. Success has distracted the church. Money, numbers, attendance, uh, traditions, Preferences, and the list goes on and on and on and on until what we have got today in modern day Christianity sometimes is everything but worshiping the God that snatched us from a burning hell and set our feet upon a solid rock. Martha was distracted. We know that because... The Bible says that Martha was cumbered about much serving. It doesn't just simply say that she was serving much. It doesn't say she was gladly serving or cheerfully serving. It says she was cumbered about much serving. The word cumbered means to perplex or embarrass It means to distract or trouble. And in my life, I know this, when my serving troubles me, something's out of whack. Our service for God should be a blessing in our life. It should not be an anchor weighing us down in our Christian life. Martha was distracted. Martha was also distanced. The Bible tells us in verse 40 it says, But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him. She came to him. In other words, she was distanced from him. Now get this in your mind. Mary's at his feet. Close to him. She didn't have to find Jesus. She was there. Some scholars render this. this, She came to him in verse 40. To mean that she suddenly come up to him. Like in a rush or, or in a hurry. She came to him because she had distanced herself from him. Two things I know about that is, you don't have to be far away to be far away. She was in the same house, under the same roof, but she was doing something very different from her sister. And you can be close, but not close. I have known married couples that live together under the same roof and, and, and they, they they don't like each other so much that years prior, they just came to an agreement or an arrangement. And, and it's like, I have my end of the house, she has her end of the house. Uh, we may see each other for breakfast or supper, but other than that, I do my thing, she does her thing. They're close, but they're not close. And you know what church and church is? Are full of folks that are close by, but far distance from Christ. Close by the activity, close by the stuff, close by the lights, close by the stage, close by the altar, close by where it's happening, close by others who are close to Him, but very far away from what matters the most And can I tell you, what matters the most is not the lights, it's not the screens, it's not who's preaching, it's not what series are we in. What matters most is, is my heart right with God? Am I walking with Jesus every day? Am I in the Word of God every day? Am I praying like I ought to be praying? And am I in love with Jesus? And that was the place that, 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 that Martha had come to where things began to be off. So she was distracted. She was uh, distanced. And, but then we find it kind of comes to a head here. And the Bible says she was disturbed. You see, distractions turn into distance between us and God. And that distance turns into us being disturbed. And before we realize it, we can get an attitude even with God Himself. Notice underneath disturbed her accusation. She came to Jesus and she says this, Dost thou not care? In another part of the Scripture... They run up to Jesus and they they say, Hey, don't you care that our brother is sick? Don't you care? Listen, can I assure you something and, and, and reassure myself of something? Whether we feel it or not, whether we sense it or not, whether we know it or not, whether it seems like it or not, Jesus does care. And I know, and listen, uh, 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 I've had a lot of times in my life where it seems like there is a question mark there. And maybe you have too. And God's not mad, by the way, when when the waves of life, the trials come and it hurts so bad, we cry out and just ask. God, listen, God's not going to be mad at us for asking. But the Bible doesn't say she was in a great trial right here. She was sinking under the load of self-imposed service. And because of that, she says, Don't you care? So that was her accusation. But notice also her aloneness. She said, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? And can I tell you this? There's there's a, it is a lonely feeling sometimes when you're a servant. Maybe you've participated on a ministry team here at the church and Maybe you've won a Sunday or two or three or four or more. And it's like, well, the other people on the team hadn't even bothered to show up. And you feel like they've left you alone. Or, or maybe you've uh, uh, had another circumstance in your life where you felt alone. And so that's what her complaint was here. Hey, Jesus, don't you care that the only thing Mary is doing is just hanging out, not doing nothing? And I'm serving? She left me alone? By the way, the spiritual application here is this. If we are not spending time with Jesus, but we are spending a lot of time spinning our wheels trying to serve Jesus, we will feel alone no matter who's with us because we deplete ourselves of everything that causes us to have the sweet fellowship that we'll learn about in just a minute. So her accusation, she was disturbed. Her accusation, her aloneness, and her ask. She said to Jesus, bid her therefore that she help me. In other words, Jesus, I got this problem. I'm not doing what I ought to be doing but I'm doing everything I think I should be doing and I want you to take the one that's doing what she should be doing and is doing what she's supposed to do and tell her to leave all that and come help me because I feel all alone. Man. (laughs) When you put it that way, it sounds kind of upside down, doesn't it? Now here's the thing. It didn't feel like that to Martha right away. And it never feels like that to me right away when I, you know, because in church life and in, in, in Christianity, when we're serving, it's good stuff, right? It's helping the poor. It's, it's working the altars. It's, it's baptizing people. It's sharing our story. It's all these things that are good things. When April and I were, were first married, the first few years of our life, we, uh, we, we were in the homeless ministry together before we ever even got engaged. She was like one of the workers in the homeless ministry, one of the only faithful ones. And I thought to myself, any woman that'll work with me in the homeless ministry, that's the marrying kind right there. And so, uh, so, so we got married. And we were young, I had so much energy, I mean, uh, and we just, I would work sun up to sun down, literally. And the problem became, all that serving distracted me from my very family in, in a, lot of, a lot of days. And here's what we found out. It doesn't matter what you're distracted with. If there's some neglect, there's neglect. Now, consequences are a little different, right? I mean, I was not hanging out at the bar every night. I didn't get any DUIs during that time. But also the consequence of the neglect... It's still one and the same. So, it's a common problem. You may be uh, uh, having this issue right now in your life. Going, going, going. Serving, serving, serving. Doing, doing, doing. And you look around and all of a sudden, don't even really know where Jesus is in your life. It's a common problem. Uh, And and it's not a problem that we throw rocks at Martha uh, about because if you're any kind of uh, a faithful child of God at all, you're probably going to find yourself in this conundrum at one point or another. Notice observation number two, not only a common problem, but I want you to see a chosen part. Boy, I like this. This this gets really, really good. A chosen part. Verses 39 and 42. The Bible says that Mary, look at verse 42, but one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen. She's chosen that good part. That tells me uh, right off the bat in point number two, Martha could have also chosen what Mary chose. We make so many excuses for ourselves, don't we? Oh, well, I would read my Bible, but... Oh, I would have devotion time, but... I would pray, but... I would... But at the end of the day... An excuse is just a reason wrapped in a lie right it's just it's, it's that's just what it is. Notice number one underneath a chosen part, I want you to see a special place. Mary found a very special place to spend a lot of her time, and of course, we know from verse 39, that that special place was at the very feet of the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, uh, which, verse 39b, which also, speaking of Mary, sat at Jesus' feet. I found it interesting that in that day, it was very commonplace for the students of the rabbis to sit literally at the rabbis' feet feet as they were learning, as they were being taught. It was a very common thing. Just like students uh, today would sit in a classroom setting, uh, uh, the student of the rabbi or a disciple of a rabbi would sit literally and learn at his feet. It's kind of like a a, a mentorship or kind of like an apprenticeship right there with them close by taking in everything there is to learn and know. You see, Mary made her choice, and she chose to sit at his feet and hear his word. And that is what Jesus said was the good part. So she found not only a special place, but she also found, number two, a spiritual provision. A spiritual provision. The Bible says in verse 39, the the latter part of that verse, she sat at his feet and heard his word. And here's the meat and potatoes here. If I'm not sitting at Jesus' feet every day and hearing his word for me, then I'm going to very, very soon begin to experience a spiritual drought in my life. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 63. O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. Watch this. Where no water is. In a dry and thirsty land. Can I reassure you? This world is a dry and thirsty land. Where you work, it's a dry and thirsty land. The schools that our children go to, sometimes they can be a dry and thirsty land. Out and about, it's a dry and thirsty land. And nothing is worse in our life than spiritual dehydration. When when we can't function right, and we don't have what it takes right, the psalmist said, Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. Let me ask you this. Are you thirsty tonight? Does your soul long for Jesus? So many times in in our ministry, I'm doing, 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 doing this, this, that, and the other, and I find myself becoming exhausted And then I'll I'll turn around and it's been three days or four days or or however many days since I've even spent time alone with God. And listen, that's not just for the minister. You go work somewhere eight, 10, 12 hours a day. You need Jesus. Say amen right there. (laughs) Some of y'all, your jobs ain't easy. The the work itself is hard, but a lot of times the environment that you work in is much more difficult. You ever come home from work and just, maybe you weren't, you didn't work all that hard. It, It wasn't such a demanding day, but you just felt drained. Have you ever thought for a minute that your spiritual condition is directly connected, or your physical condition is directly connected to your spiritual condition? It's true. Many of our social, emotional, mental, and sometimes even physical problems are the direct result of spiritual neglect. Our spiritual condition has a direct effect on every other part of who we are. Are. If you don't put oil in your oil in your car uh, and you run it out of oil, it's going to affect your rear bumper. Wow, The oil goes in the engine. Your rear bumper ain't going down the road if that engine fails. <laughs> it's going to affect your windshield. If you're from Florida and you know about love bugs, say amen. You won't get no love bugs on your windshield because you ain't going nowhere. What I'm trying to say is the oil, although it goes into one place and has one specific job to lubricate everything in there, uh, that's the basic job of the oil in your car. If you neglect the oil, it affects every part of the car. And and Jesus is like the oil of our life. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit of God is the oil in our life that keeps our lamps burning. And so she found a special place and she found a spiritual provision. The spiritual provision she found was the word of God. The word of God. Check this out. I thought this was so cool. In my Thompson Chain reference Bible, this is right across the, on the other side of the street here, as you will. It's in Luke chapter 11. After this encounter, you know, uh, uh, the Bible goes on to say uh, Jesus has some in, an encounter with, with, with his disciples. He's teaching them to pray and different stuff. Then you get to verse number 27, Luke eleven twenty seven. 27. And all of a sudden, it's like a a timeout or parentheses, and and, and a lady comes running up to Jesus and kind of like butts in and and says something all of a sudden. Verse 27 says, And it came to pass, as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. But he said unto her, Yea, rather, Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Amen. Now notice what happens here. This woman, whoever she was, the Bible don't say, but she was so enamored with Jesus, she just kind of spouts off and says, Oh, oh, oh praise God, the, the one that gave birth to you, blessed be her. And Jesus says, Hey, if you think, She's blessed. I'll tell you who's really blessed. And that's the ones that hear my word and keep it. Did you know it's possible to be in a church like this and be on a ministry team or have some type of ministry, whatever it may be, and be serving God, but not really hearing His word? And here I have to tell you something. Tonight don't count. It kind of counts, and Sundays kind of count. But you've heard Preacher Malcolm say this time and time and time again, and any preacher that's worth his salt, you should hear him say it time and time and time again. Sunday listening to the preacher ain't enough. Wednesday listening to the preacher ain't enough. We have to learn how to listen to our God, ourself. Every single day. It might be early in the morning for you. It might be late at night. It might be on your lunch break. I don't know when, where, or how, but thank God I do know the what. And the what is you and God, me and God, our Bible, time alone, time quiet, meditating on thus saith the Lord so that God can feed our dry And thirsty souls. So Mary chose that part. There's something special about hearing the word of God and keeping it. We find out that that Mary was she was cumbered about many things, right? She was she was troubled. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And what happens? The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this. I'm not telling you, and and I don't think the Bible is advocating one or the other. The Bible is saying both. Amen? We need to serve God, but it needs to come out of us spending time at Jesus' feet. So it's not that, that don't, be a man, uh, don't be a Martha, don't serve, don't. that's not it. Jesus is not rebuking her for serving. Matter of fact, he's not rebuking her really at all. We're going to find out in just a moment that the whole deal was it was serving without without. I wanted to say supping, but that just sounds weird. It's a Bible word, but it sounds weird. It it, it was serving without soaking up what God had for her. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And then she found a sweet purpose. Mary found a sweet purpose. And we know her purpose was sitting at his feet and worshiping him. And, and we know it, the purpose here was worship because in John chapter 12, another time when Jesus is there, that's where we find the story of the same Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and taking a whole pound of, of ointment, the Bible calls it spikenard, which is a very special uh, perfume type ointment, very expensive, and she broke this box, she poured it all over Jesus' Feet and she wiped, with her, wiped his feet with her hair. In other words, she valued that place that she spent the most time at when Jesus was in her home. Did you catch that? So if I neglect that place, his feet, what I'm really saying is I don't value that much. I got this, Lord. I can make it through life. I can handle it all. I value what I can do for you more than I really value what you did for me. And boy, that's that's not the message we want to be sending to our Lord and Savior, is it? You know, Mary made that choice. She chose God. I remember... And my kids will, will remember this uh, several years ago before we ever moved here to Coleman when we lived in North Augusta, we came to visit and um, and we actually met um Brother Bobby Shockley and his wife and uh they had a fresh litter of puppies and we we came we actually uh had f- saw them puppies or we knew about the litter or whatever and we were uh sent to get a puppy for a friend of ours that lived back in north augusta brother mike ship he wanted a puppy and he he had uh sent the money with us and we went over there to to brother bobby's house to buy this puppy it was a a litter of boxers and we went over there and uh, i had at that point didn't have any real experience with boxers or nothing and uh uh But we went over there and we picked the one out for for our friend to take back to him in South Carolina. And this little puppy, uh, this this little male puppy, kind of ran up to my wife, April. And just wouldn't leave her alone. And she said, oh, he's so cute. And and Miss Carol, she said, well, you can pick him up if you want to and play with him, it's fine. And so April picked this little puppy up. And that puppy, Steve, c- crawled right up her chest and snuggled its nose up right here and did not move. And April's eyes got real big. And I was going, Huh. Oh, this is going to cost me. And, and, and uh, Mrs. Shockley, she, she saw what was happening and she just went oh my, she said, I think that he's made up his mind. He wants to go with you too. And April said, yeah. <laughs> and we took that little puppy home. She just gave him to us. She couldn't, I guess she didn't have the heart to take it back or anything. She's like, you just, you just take that one with you. And I was like, whew. Man, them things were expensive. I'm glad I didn't have to pay for that. Well, that became the best dog that we've probably ever had. We named him after them. We named him Shocker. Shocker the Boxer, after the Shockleys. And the cool thing is, and April will tell you, she didn't choose Shocker. Shocker chose her. And that's what... now, 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 understand this. God chose you. You didn't go looking for God. A matter of fact, you didn't even know, and I didn't even know to look for God when we was lost. Right. But now that you're saved, now we know. And we need to choose that good part every day. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Let me ask you this. Will, will, will you choose to sit at Jesus' feet and hear His word? I'm not saying don't serve. I'm saying as you serve, and even... Before you serve, fill your tank. Let me give you observation number three, the final one, in our final 13 minutes. The third observation here is, is a, there is a correcting procedure. A correcting procedure. And this blesses me. This is verse 41 and 42. Remember, Martha has run up to Jesus. And now Martha is disturbed, right? She kind of has a little attitude. I can just see she's a little snippy. Hey, ain't you? You tell her to come help me. I got stuff to do for you. Notice his attitude. Jesus' attitude toward Martha. He says, Martha, Martha. The thing to note here is that Jesus wasn't mad at Martha. He wasn't. And you ever thought about that? What if Jesus copped the same attitude toward us that we cop toward him when things don't work out? But that's a message for another day. He simply needed to lovingly correct her. Correct her thought process. It was an attitude of loving pity. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, the Bible says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. In other words, you think you got it all together, big boy, but oh, Simon. In Acts 9, in verse 4, speaking of Saul, it says, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul. Anytime Jesus calls you by your name twice, pay attention. His attitude, it was loving pity. Notice his admonition. In verse 41, he tells her, he says, Thou art careful and troubled about many things. And by the way, this is how we know. The very words of Jesus here is how we know that Martha had some deeper rooted things going on. He didn't say, well, you've stayed in the kitchen too long. Or or what have you. He says, there's a lot of stuff in your life here going on that you're careful and and, and troubled about. Careful literally means full of care. It means anxious, solicitous, concerned. We might call it anxiety or stress. (laughs) Troubled means disturbed, agitated. Afflicted, annoyed. And we've already read Philippians 4 6 through 7, be careful for nothing. Now listen, would Jesus really instruct us to be careful for nothing if it was an impossible task to achieve? Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made, made known unto God. Well, how come by prayer and supplication? Because it takes that to fix the carefulness in our life, the troubledness in our life. So we see his attitude, his admonition. He, he's like, hey, hey Martha, we need to work on this here. And God might be saying that to somebody tonight. Maybe he's calling your name lovingly two times and just pointing something out in your life or my life. His attitude, his admonition, and then notice his answer. She says, hey, you tell uh, 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 Mary to come help me out. And Jesus answered her in verse 42. He said, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, watch this, which shall not be taken away from her. Martha had asked Jesus to instruct Mary to leave off sitting at his feet and to get up and help Martha serve. In other words, she was placing a higher value on serving Jesus than on hearing Jesus, and that's what us servers do. That's what those of those of us who like to serve. We look at those who like to soak up, uh, uh, you know, and we're like, Shh. "What they ought to do is do something." Don't look at me all holy. If you have a servant's heart, you've probably thought that about people. The interesting thing here is, Mary didn't have no bad stuff to say about Martha. Mary didn't have no accusations to say about Martha. How come? She had everything she needed. I think she was real content. Jesus had filled all that space in her life. She didn't have to lash out. I'll tell you when I get where I have to lash out or whatever, it's when I hadn't been with Jesus. Remember when the disciples had, had been had went and, and did all this stuff and, and they left the Pharisees and those around saying, whew, it's evident they've been with Jesus. It's also evident when we hadn't. I remember, I'll close with this little story. Um, one time, a long time ago, there was a, a, a gentleman in the church I was a member at. Not here, so don't be trying to thank who it was. And uh, this guy was a, a singer in the choir. Matter of fact, he was one of the main singers in the choir. And he got... Uh, real sideways with God Real sideways with his family Matter of fact, he got caught up in some real significant sin Like really bad stuff So much so that the, the church had, uh, had to exercise some church discipline he, he had to be removed from the choir All kind of stuff It was bad and um, he disappeared from church for a long time and just was living a sinful lifestyle for, for months and months and months. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, one Sunday he came back to church. I think he had, uh, I found out later, he called the preacher and talked to him and apologized and asked, could he come back? And he came back to church And he actually, uh, to my recollection, made an apology to the church, repented, and uh, began to do his best to integrate back in to where he had left. And um, so weeks and weeks after that, the oldest member of our church, he was a man named Mr. Bill Kennedy, this was at Victory over in North Augusta. Mr. Kennedy called me at the mission where I worked at the homeless shelter rescue mission and he asked if he could meet with me. Sweetest fella you ever... Like talking to Jesus himself. Sweet old guy. He was in his 80s at this time. Sweet as he could be. Uh, I, th- I think he was pretty... I don't know that he was wealthy, but, you know, he had what he needed. Had, I think he had a pretty good amount of money, stuff like that. Sweet old guy. And he called and requested if he could come and see me. So I hung up the phone. I was like, oh, man. You know us missionaries. I got a mission to run, right? There's bills to pay. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. I bet he's going to come down here and write us a big donation check. My mind is just going as to what what could Brother Kennedy, be coming down here for and it, I, I know it's going to be something good, right? So he gets there and, and I welcome him into my office and I'm all just waiting to hear the news. And he begins, after some small talk, he begins and he says, you, you know, Brother Travis, do you know about so-and-so? Called his name, I said, well, Yeah. He said, you know, several weeks ago he came back to church and made an apology and he's trying to get things right with God, the church, his family, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah. And I'm thinking, now I'm thinking, well, where is this conversation going? Like the air is deflating out of me now. <laughs> and he says to me in the sweetest tone, he says, he says, you know, not everybody has been real receptive to him coming back, and I said, "Man, that's that's awful, awful." He said, "Yeah, I agree." He said, "And uh, he said I've been helping him and talking to him a lot and mentoring him." He said, "And actually, he feels like you're the main one." What'd you say, Mr. Sweet, Mr. Kennedy? Me? I said, what do you mean? And he began to explain to me in no uncertain, very sweet terms how that during handshaking time I come down off the platform because I used to sit on the platform with the preacher and all this stuff and how I would come down to the platform and I would shake two, three people's hands. But I would conveniently not shake this guy's hand. And because I was a leader in the church and sat on the platform next to the pastor, it was especially disturbing, Brother Travis, when you avoid him. And man, while Brother Kennedy was talking to me, I was sinking lower and lower and lower until finally I had to like climb back up from up underneath my desk. That's how bad I felt because Brother Kennedy was right. And I hadn't even seen it, I didn't even realize it. I wasn't doing it on purpose. I wasn't intentionally shunning this brother. But I was shaking everybody's hand but his. And you know, I learned that day a lot about Jesus through Brother Kennedy. He never fussed at me. He didn't yell at me. He didn't even accuse me. But he lovingly rebuked me. And I couldn't wait for that man to get out of my office. (laughs) Like some of y'all can't wait for this last 13 seconds to be over. And we can pray and be done. But i tell you what I did. Because of how Brother Kennedy approached me. I didn't have any choice. Well, I did have a choice. It was either A... Now that I know this, choose to not be right with God now. Or I had to call this brother and apologize. By the grace of God, I picked up the telephone. That's back when they used to sit on our desks, you know. (laughs) I heard a dial tone first. (laughs) And I said, brother, I have shunned you and I am sorry and I learned a lot about the character of Jesus the character of Jesus says listen now now I don't want to speak out of turn here there are some people and there are some instances when God is angry that's a sermon for another day but on this subject in this context He wasn't angry. He was lovingly rebuking her. Hey, fix this. If you're going to continue to serve, you better fix this. Amen? And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us, Martha, Martha. Let's fix this.